Hi, everyone. Thank you for joining us once again on the Practicology Podcast. This is episode 114. And uh, Matthew, I'll just turn it immediately to you. What are you taking up with us today? Mike, I feel like you should do that intro again, just like a bit more energy or something. Okay. <laughs> I'm kidding. That was just a little test to see to see how well you responded to a word of correction. <laughs> and not surprisingly to me, and probably not to our listeners either, you you responded in a gracious and Christ-honoring way. And you've exemplified what we're going to talk about today, being teachable and responding well to correction. Well, uh, I, uh, I am truly stumped for words here, Matthew, but... Uh, but that is an area that I think we can all admit to uh, needing some improvement in. It's not easy for us to just sit there and be corrected. But I'm curious, Matthew, as to what got you thinking about this. Has someone recently rebuked you for something? I did receive a corrective suggestion recently, so that is probably part of it. I'm going to come back to that later. This subject came to my attention, though, quite quite some time ago, just in my regular personal reading through the book of Proverbs. There are certain themes, of course, that reoccur through that collection of wisdom literature. And when I was just reading a chapter of Proverbs a day, maybe the Spirit of God was trying to get my attention about this issue. I was just struck by how often Solomon was returning to this theme of receiving correction, receiving reproof or rebuke, and, and whether we were wise enough to reap the rewards that reproof can bring us. Well, I see one of the references that you've put in our notes here, Matthew, is Proverbs 17, verse 10, which says, A rebuke cuts into a perceptive person more than a hundred lashes into a fool. That is vivid language indeed. And, uh, and that's very typical of Proverbs 2, the way he presents the teaching there. Uh, he's contrasting a wise or perceptive person with a fool. Right. The fool hears the rebuke, but instead of considering it and drawing kernels of truth from it, he too lightly shrugs it off, maybe grumpily fires back with a not very well thought out word of rebuke of his own. But the perceptive man, the wise woman, she allows this to sink in. She contemplates it. She's interested in being changed by it. The fool can take a hundred lashes and still does the same thing. Why? Because he's a fool and he's not very teachable. So we want you, our listeners, to think about this today. We're taking it to our own hearts too. Mike and I are. Are you, am I, a teachable person? Are you open to learning from a word of correction that a brother or sister shares with you? Well, Matthew, as I said at the beginning there, this is going to be really hard on our flesh. So you're going to need to build a pretty solid biblical case uh, because we're, we're going to need the double-edged sword of Scripture to pierce our hearts on this subject uh, with this truth that you're bringing to us today. So what else is Proverbs saying about this issue? Well, the Proverbs give us multiple reasons that we should be open to receiving reproof or correction. Number one, by listening to correction, we will become more wise. That's an important one because you don't yet know everything. Proverbs 9 verse 9, instruct the wise and he will be wiser still. Teach the righteous and he will learn more. We should be willing to listen to others' correction because we all have much to learn. The wise man knows that he has blind spots. Now, obviously, he doesn't know what they are. That's part of the issue. But he, he knows they likely do exist. We all have blind spots. If I think I've got life all cased out, I've got all the answers on raising children, I've got all the answers to the big theological debates, I've got them perfectly resolved, I've got easy answers on how to handle disputes among believers, etc., 
That type of thinking is just evidence of how ignorant I truly am. We all see issues through a particular lens. We can't help that. As we mature, we want that lens to be more and more shaped by Scripture, but that takes time. And not only do I not know everything, but other people often know more. Yeah, and those other people obviously have a lens through which they're looking at things too, but their lens is different from ours, right? Because their experience is different, uh, the mentors that have influenced them are different, and their study of Scripture has been different from ours. And so they likely have some angles that we haven't considered and we would be very wise to listen to them and and become more wise as a result, as that proverb says. Yeah, I, th- I think of a friend who has many years behind him of local church experience dealing with different types of people and a, a wide variety of issues. And so often he's able to provide an angle that I just would never have considered. Uh, so I'm going to be wise to value his perspective And I think of an example of this in Scripture. David's a great example. I love this scene um, when he first meets Abigail. Now, David was a wise man, but wise men sometimes make mistakes as well. And David prepares his men to go and fight against Nabal and, and kill his army because they hadn't showed sufficient kindness to David and his men in the wilderness. And so in 1 Samuel chapter 25, when Abigail has caught word of this, Abigail is clearly a discerning woman. She is a woman of good understanding. She knows that her husband lacks it as well, her husband Nabal. And so she preemptively comes out to meet David. And when David hears her counsel that he shouldn't act rashly, leave these things to God, David hears what Abigail says. She's stopping him from this action, and she's, a, she's concerned that it's going to be, uh, that it's going to come back to haunt him when he is later king and, and ruling over all of this area. And David listens to what Abigail says, and he says, Blessed be the Lord who sent you. Blessed be your advice. I have obeyed your voice. Now, that was very wise of David. And as a result, that wise man, David, became wiser. Here's David, the mighty warrior. He's already been anointed the next king. And he's listening to this woman because here's a woman whom David sees has a different angle that he hadn't considered. And brother or sister, you have not thought of every angle in this situation. You perhaps haven't considered every ramification of the decision that you're going to take. So while you may already have some wisdom, thank the Lord for that you would be wise to accept another perspective and maybe help you to see a little bit more of the puzzle. James chapter 3 says that the wisdom from above is open to reason. A wise man receives instruction and he will be still wiser. Yeah, so it seems uh, wisdom here isn't having all the wisdom to rightly see and discern the right thing to do in a situation, but wisdom is being willing to receive wisdom, to receive instruction. That's what David is modeling in, in that story you're referring to. He, uh, he's wise in the sense that he's willing to receive instruction that reflects wisdom and that also increases his wisdom. It actually makes him wiser, but he's at least wise enough already to know he needs to become more wise. Yeah, yeah we all have more to learn. We all have some blind spots that could do with some enlightenment. Secondly, Proverbs 13, 18 says, Poverty and disgrace come to those who ignore discipline, but the one who accepts correction will be honored. 
So a willingness to accept correction will lead to your honor. It will make you a greater blessing to others. It will open up doors of service to you. Our natural thinking may be, uh, if I'm accepting correction, then I'm admitting I'm wrong. That means I've failed. That means I'm a, I'm a bad leader. I'm a bad whatever. Well, in Proverbs, the wise man, as you've just said, Mike, the wise man does not have perfect knowledge yet. He's receiving reproof. He knows there's room for improvement. Look, other people already know that you mess up sometimes. What they want to see is, do you know it? Do you know that you haven't got all the answers? Mike, how do you think receiving correction could lead to your honor? Well, I think of someone that, uh, a leader who I really look up to, um, Tim Keller, he gets hammered a lot uh, from multiple angles by people that I just really admire the way he uh, receives correction and um, and does so graciously. And and so here's a case where, yeah, I, I actually look up to someone higher uh, for the way he responds to correction. I think, I think it shows other people that you're someone that they can work with. Uh, so they don't need to be scared to give you an opportunity because you're not going to take it and let it go to your head. And you're willing to listen to suggestions on how you can do it even better. Good, yeah. Your humility in accepting that correction gives them confidence in you. You're, you're, you're not a threat, therefore you are a blessing. Proverbs 12.1 says, The one who hates correction is stupid. And it's stupidity because by refusing to be teachable, you're actually closing doors on yourself. But the one who accepts correction will be honored. I think of the example of Apollos in Scripture. Remember, he was teaching in Acts chapter 18, obviously an intelligent teacher, an eloquent speaker, passionate, bold. He knew his Bible up to a point. And the wonderful thing is that doesn't appear to have made him proud, but he's honest and he's humble. And there he is preaching in the city of Ephesus and Priscilla and Aquila hear him and they detect some deficiency in his understanding. So they take him into their home. They, they instruct him in the word of God so that he becomes more knowledgeable in God's program and God's gospel. And he accepts that instruction. Do you remember the result? The scriptures say when he wished to cross to Achaia, the brothers encouraged him. And they wrote to the disciples there to welcome him. And so when he arrived, he greatly helped those who through grace had believed, for he powerfully refuted the Jews in public, showing by the scriptures that Christ was Jesus. So he took that correction, he applied it to his own heart, and that gave him further opportunities. He was honored by receiving the correction. Well, that's such a helpful example, uh, Matthew, because, yeah, his accepting Priscilla and Aquila's correction didn't put him down. It actually lifted Apollos up. And it opened new doors for him, wider fields of, of influence, as you said a minute ago. Right. So one reason to accept correction then is, is we become more wise. And then a second reason is we will be more honored. And Matthew, you must have a third reason for us. Thirdly, reproof is a gift of love to help you grow. Proverbs 25 verse 12. A wise correction to a receptive ear is like a gold ring or an ornament of gold. Now notice both of those items mentioned in that analogy in that verse are gold. The reprover is giving you something precious. It's gold. You should place a high value upon it. It is like gold. Imagine someone who really loves you and they're giving you a special gift. Maybe they're giving you a gold watch. Maybe they know you've got expensive university to pay for and they give you a five ounce bar of gold to pay for your first year of university and they 
they present that to you and you sort of, you know, just shrug and leave it there on the table or you push it away. Well, that's, that's rejecting their expression of love. And when we refuse to take that friend's reproof to heart, again, I am refusing a gift of love that is intended to help me grow. Yeah, and again, our temptation is to respond very negatively to this scenario where someone is correcting us and and uh, we, we want to make them pay for it. Uh, at least I do. <laughs> I hate it so much. But what you're saying is, is so helpful and important, Matthew. Um, to reject it is to push away a bar of gold, right? It, it's not easy for someone who loves us to work up the courage and, and bring us the word of correction. And so we, we need to fight against the temptation to make them pay for it and really seek to battle internally to say, no, I will receive this. I won't make him pay for it. This is very, very valuable. This is actually a tremendous expression of love to me as painful as it is. Yeah. So if they had the courage to bring this word to your heart, it's probably because they really care for you. In fact, Proverbs 9 verse 8 says, don't rebuke a mocker or he will hate you. So sometimes we're not sure if, if there's a, a word we think we need to bring to someone, is this person going to be open to what I'm saying or will they go on the attack in return? And then we've got a wall between us and an offended brother is harder to reach than a fortified city. It's a risky thing to bring a word of reproof. It needs to be done with care. Maybe we'll talk about that more another time. But the verse I quoted spoke of a wise correction. It, it was done with care. They did it because they love me. So I shouldn't assume when I hear the correction, I shouldn't assume this is just a criticism or an attack. This is their attempt to preserve me, to help me to grow. It's not an assault on your worth. It's a gift of love. It's an act of kindness. Proverbs 27, 6, faithful are the wounds of a friend, a friend. And when a friend brings you this word that may wound you in some respect. Let, let's listen to it. Admittedly, it does feel like a, a wound when we're told that we're doing something wrong, but it's meant to help me grow. I think of this example in scripture, Exodus chapter 18. Moses has just led the people out of Egypt. Moses was a great leader. He was a wise man in judging the people, but he got in this circumstance where all the people are coming to him with all of their issues and his father-in-law sees this tremendous load that Moses is taking. He knows it's too much for him. I mean, he cares for Moses. He says, Moses, this is going to wear you out. You can't handle this alone. Let me give you some advice. Imagine that. Who's this old man that's new to the scene and he's got some advice for Moses? Uh, Moses could have been thinking, what, are you saying I'm a bad leader? Thanks very much, Pops, but I'm the one that <laughs> took them out of Egypt. You know, you weren't there then. No, he wasn't saying Moses was a bad leader. He cares for him. He's just got an idea that's going to help Moses. And in Exodus 18, Moses listened to the voice of his father-in-law because his father-in-law was giving him a gold ring, an ornament of gold, because he loved Moses. He didn't want to see him wear out. He had a, a fresh perspective. He had a better understanding. And Moses, the great leader that he was, developed and grew as a leader as a result. A wise correction to a receptive ear is like a gold ring or an ornament of gold. Well, again, a really helpful example. Uh, so we should be open to accepting correction because we'll become more wise and we will be honored. And because it's a gift of love to help us to grow, uh, give us a fourth one there, Matthew. Why not? A fourth one. Brothers and sisters, a word of correction 
can save your life. Proverbs 15.31 One who listens to life-giving rebukes will be at home among the wise. Anyone who ignores discipline despises himself. In other words, to ignore the correction is to be self-destructing. But one who listens to life-giving rebukes will be at home among the wise. Mike, can you think of another time in King David's life? I cited David earlier, but can you think of another time in King David's life when he was rebuked at a very crucial point in his life? Well, uh, the one I'm thinking of is after he'd committed adultery there with Bathsheba and Nathan rebukes him uh, with that story about the rich man and his sheep and so on. Is that the one you're thinking of? It is. I was hoping you'd have that one on the tip of your tongue. Very good. When David had sinned, initially he covered that up and David was self-destructing. Read what he says in the Psalms. So he's sinking deeper. He's going through the motions. He's away from God and And Nathan so bravely approached the king, you are the man. And David listens. David doesn't say, hey, I'm the king. Buzz off, Nathan. He says, I have sinned. And Nathan says, the Lord also has put away your sin. So Nathan is used of God to save David from further ruin. I mentioned my own private reading in Proverbs quite some time ago, got me into thinking about this. And, uh, I've definitely gotten some further help on the subject from a book by David Mathis called Habits of Grace, published by Crossway. I haven't actually read the whole book, but one of the chapters in there is called Embracing the Blessing of Rebuke. It was very helpful, and I've probably been boring it from it already in this podcast episode, to be honest. But one of his important lines in that book is, the kind of rebuke that the scriptures commend is the kind intended to stop us from continuing on a destructive path. The kind of rebuke that the scriptures commend or approve is the kind intended to stop us from continuing on a destructive path. And James commends this as well. James chapter 5, listen to his plea. My brothers, if anyone among you strays from the truth and someone turns him back, he will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. And I wonder if there's someone listening and if you're honest, you know you're starting to drift a little bit from the truth. You're wandering away from the people of God and from the Lord himself. And maybe somebody has already tried to bring you a bit of a word to bring you back, a bit of a warning to you. And I'd like you to consider that maybe that reproof from a friend or an overseer or a sister, it's not meant to control you. It's not meant to try and ruin your life. It's meant to save your life. Derek Kidner commenting on this proverb says, the wayward is asking for a lesson, but to be unteachable is asking for death. The wayward is asking for a lesson. To be unteachable, though, is asking for death. Receiving correction can save your life. So tell us then, uh, Matthew, if rebuke can be such a blessing to us, why is it that we struggle so much to, to take it? What is it that causes us to get our backs up, you know, or, or look for loopholes or try to be defensive or even want to skip this episode uh, or listen to it at least on double speed so that we're not really hearing what you're saying. <laughs> well, it, it has to be our pride, right? It, it's just hard for our selfish flesh to be told by someone that they think we're making a mistake, uh, that I was too hard in that message that I preached, that, that my worship doesn't seem to be as fresh lately, that 
that the way I spoke to that older believer or a younger believer, that that was disrespectful or that I'm going too far into debt or that this relationship I'm in is unhealthy. We don't like to admit that we're wrong. And I can picture this response in some of you when you're told that because I've been there. You know, maybe maybe your shoulders tighten, maybe you clench your jaw, maybe you take a defensive posture, maybe you roll your eyes, but maybe that's just my rotten, stinking pride. And I think one reason, Mike, that I'm bringing this to the podcast today is I, I did have an instance in the not-too-distant past, as I mentioned, where, where someone gave me a bit of a reproof, and I wasn't too happy about it. So I typed up a long response to defend myself. And then I, th I thought I should wait a day before sending that. And uh, I, I was kind of bothered by what this person said to me. And then I realized what was bothering me more, though, was how bothered I was. It wasn't actually that big a deal, but it weighed on me for, for days then. And I had some not very nice thoughts. But one of the better thoughts in those moments was, what is wrong with me? Why does, why does this little thing that this person has said to me out of the goodness of their heart trying to help me. Why is this bothering me so much? And the reason it bothered me so much, this little thing bothered me so much, is this big thing of pride inside of me. So did you end up sending that uh, long typed out response? I did not, thank the Lord. Okay, well, thanks for sharing this, Matthew. Do you think the person was right to rebuke you? I'm not, I'm not actually sure if they were right on the issue that they raised, I, but yet I'm still very thankful for it because they might be right and because of what it made me see within me, actually. Right, yeah. Well, this is uh, reminding me, I think we, recently we did something on spiritual discernment. We do need to discern what is said to us in rebuke. Um, but it does raise the issue, Matthew, of whether we always accept the correction we receive and should we always change based on what other people tell us they think? Well, the answer obviously must be no, not always, but what would you say there, Mike, in response to that without undoing everything that I have said today so far? Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, uh, this is something I, I learned from Tim Keller, who I, I mentioned already, but uh, it has been very, very helpful for me. And he says, even if the correction you're receiving is way out of line, you can still ask yourself, is there a 1%, is there a 10% mm -hmm. of what this person is saying that's true? and that I can learn from. And um, I I've, I guess I've had to apply that. I, I've had one or two instances where I felt I had some really outlandish, wild accusations uh, leveled at me. And uh, by God's grace, I managed to hold off on the send button too and just live with it for a bit. And then eventually by his grace, get to the point where I can uh, think about, well, maybe there's something to what this person is is on about, right? Maybe there's something I can learn from this. And so I think that still fits in with the spirit of what you're saying. There's a teachable, a teachability there, but um, but not a gullibility uh, that just drinks in everything uh, without discernment too, which is also dangerous. That's a great way of putting it. I, th I think we're wise to listen. We're wise to consider what they have said, even if in the end, we're not going to adopt everything they have said. I can still be blessed either way, as I think I've just demonstrated from my own life example as well. And again, if I could cite David Mathis, he says, reproof is a fork in the road for a sinful soul. Will we cringe at correction like a curse or embrace rebuke as a blessing? Hmm. Excellent. Well, you've explained it really well today that it is a blessing because number one, it can save your life. Secondly, you will be honored. Thirdly, it's a gift of love to help you grow. 
and forth. It will make you more wise. Sandy Higgins has also written this sentence. I thought it was very wise and helpful. We rise to our highest potential as creatures made in the image of God when we allow God, his word, and his people to teach us. I think that's excellent. We rise to our highest potential as creatures made in the image of God when we allow God, his word, and his people to teach us. But as I read that, it also points me to the ultimate imager of God, the Lord Jesus. And I want to point our listeners to him just as we wrap this up there. There is the one man and the only man who never needed to be corrected. Isaiah 50 speaks of Christ prophetically. It's Christ speaking concerning his God. He awakens me each morning. He awakens my ear to listen like those being instructed. But in all of those mornings, the Lord never had to bring a word of rebuke to his perfect servant. He never said, hey, you didn't handle that right yesterday. He spoke too harshly to those people. So that Christ says in John 8, I do always the things that please the Father. Amen. Yeah, wonderful. One day we're going to be like him. Praise the Lord for that. But uh, we're not there yet. And until then, God is teaching us and we can be thankful for how he corrects us because it's because he loves us. And as the Lord Jesus says in Revelation 3, he says, as many as I love, I rebuke. So thanks everyone for listening. And uh, you've you've modeled what Matthew's teaching here and um, just sitting and listening to this, I guess, this word of correction and instruction that you've had for us today, Matthew. And we are sure of this, Philippians 1.6, that he who started a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. May the Lord bless you all.